good to be here today. I'm excited to be here today. Um, I know you didn't come here to hear about me, but let me just tell you a little bit about myself and where I'm from. My name is Brent Franks. I'm from Antlers, Oklahoma. Uh, we could switch out congregations and people and personalities, and you wouldn't hardly know the difference. Although, I would like to take, uh, uh, where's the guy that did the announcements? Where are you at? Anyway, hey, uh, I'll fix your air conditioner, and you go home with me and make announcements, okay? Um, I appreciate that. I, I like that. You know, quick review about me. I, uh, I went to school, Harding School of Biblical Studies. Uh, I originally grew up in Antlers. I never thought I would be a preacher or be back in Antlers. Uh, those things both happened. Uh, I spent uh, uh, several years in other congregations. I've been in Antlers for 31 years now. And uh, I tell people that uh, they can't find anybody else, and I won't leave. And, and those two statements are, may be true, both of them. You know, uh, my role in ministry is kind of interesting. It's not the direction I chose, but it is in a sort of a way. I grew up in a church. Uh, I tell people that I was literally born on a church pew, and it's almost true. However, uh, over the years, I, I really got, you know convicted that preachers were pretty much out of touch with what was going on with the people in the pews. And uh, people may think that about me now, I don't know. But I, I try and spend uh, Sundays and Wednesdays ministering to my congregation and the rest of the week ministering to the community. I do a lot of funerals. Uh, Ninety percent of them are outside the church. I've preached funerals in nearly every church in town and and a lot of people that don't even go to church have done funerals for. Uh, that's my role in ministry. That's, that's who I am as a minister. Uh, I, as you'll find out in a moment, I'm not a great preacher, but I like to think that I'm a pretty good minister, okay? Uh, I also record since COVID, and we're all experiencing the same weird situation of, you know, some people just can't get out, shouldn't get out. Others... Uh, decided not to get out, you know, for church because of COVID. So I've started uh, broadcasting the sermons on the radio. So in just a moment, it's going to be a little bit awkward, but I'm going to get that broadcast going. And um, we're going to be looking at a topic of faith this morning. It's a short series I'm in the midst of. And when I thought about what to preach on here today, I thought, you know what, I've been studying this and I've been focused on this and everybody could use a good sermon on faith and a good thought on faith. Bear with me just a moment. Oh, by the way, this is my wife, Stacy. Uh, we've been married for 40 years. Uh, uh, she didn't want to be a minister's wife. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure she still doesn't want to be a minister's wife. Uh, but she is stuck by me, and I wouldn't be able to do this job without her uh, standing behind me. So... You'll get a chance to meet her if you haven't already. I want to welcome everyone this morning and especially welcome those that are listening in on Cato 102.3. You want to be taking out your Bibles. I'm going to be in Ephesians this morning. So uh, if you will, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. But I want to ask you a couple of questions before we start off. 
And, and please don't answer out loud, okay? Um, what, is, what is faith? I mean, when I ask you that question, uh, do you have an answer? Do you give the old standard answer and try and quote Hebrews 11 and 1? Or, but that's not what I'm asking. I'm not asking for a definition. Uh, I'm not asking you about what you think somebody expects you to say. But what is faith? In fact, if you don't mind, ask yourself this question, what does faith do for me? You know, what, how does it affect my life? Ask that of yourselves. What do we do with it? I mean, faith is a church word. We throw that around a lot. It comes up in nearly every conversation, every sermon, every Bible class. But when we get down to the bottom line, what does it mean in my daily life? Not, not just because we're gathered together this morning, you know, thinking about what God has done for us, but what does faith do for us? And, and maybe the last question kind of helps define what I'm searching for this morning and that is simply, what do we have faith in? You know? I mean, you think about faith. Biblically speaking, it's very closely tied. In fact, can be interchanged with the word belief or belief, right? Sometimes we use faith interchangeably in our daily lives with trust. You know, uh, we tell somebody, I have faith in you. What's that mean? It usually means that we're going to reach a certain performance level, right? You know, I've got faith that you've got whatever skill set it is to achieve whatever you're trying to achieve. But uh, that's not the faith that I'm looking for this morning, searching for. I don't think it's the faith that Paul was talking to the Ephesians about. And by the way... If you're writing these down, you'll find at the end of this lesson that I will have not answered those questions completely. Because those questions are not something I can answer for you. Those are only answers that you can give. Uh, faith is something that we all have, but sometimes we define it much differently. You know, when we talk about having faith in something, you know, unfortunately... In our world, and, and, it, and we've all seen it, that religion has become what a lot of people have faith in. Now, by the way, I think that religion and true spirituality or true Christianity are two separate things. But I do believe that a lot of people have faith in their church or in their belief system. What do you believe in? And you spout the company line. You have this little list of things that you believe in. But it goes back to the question, what do you have faith in? Um, any of you ever had a family member break your trust or disappoint you? What about a church member? What about somebody you really love and care about? Yeah, yeah you know what? Faith in humans always fails. I, I don't care if, if you've been married 
75 years and you know each other inside out, at some point you're going to disappoint your spouse. If you've been friends with somebody forever, you're going to disappoint them. If you've gone to church with somebody forever, you're going to disappoint them, they're going to disappoint you. Because sometimes our faith hasn't reached anything but just that surface level. Um, You know, faith in God demands a few things on our part. And by the way, I don't believe that God has a performance system. You know, unfortunately, a a lot of Christianity tries to blend Old and Testament, Old and New Testament covenants together. Anytime we want to condemn somebody else, we go to the Old Testament. Anytime we want to raise the bar a little higher, we go to the Old Testament, right? Anytime we're in trouble, we go to the New Testament. Uh, Anytime we need grace and help and forgiveness and mercy, we're all about Jesus, right? But when somebody else needs those things, we're all about that God that rules with an iron fist, that God of the flyswatter is waiting for somebody to land so he can just go splat, right? And a lot of times, you know, I grew up in church, probably... Same thing a lot of you people experienced. And a lot of Sunday mornings, especially as a young person, I left the church building knowing I was going to hell. Because faith was a performance thing. Faith was like, I've got faith in you that you can get the job done. Faith was about what I could do, how I could never make a mistake, how I could always be perfect. But you know what? If we're real honest with each other, we never are perfect, are we? In fact, I just want you to think about one thing. I see people that look like you come from different types of lives. Maybe you have different professions, you know, men, women, you know, people from different backgrounds. Uh, But you know what every person in this building has in common, me included, and what all of the people that are out there driving around the streets this morning or in their houses have in common? We have one unifying factor. And you know what? People don't like to hear it. It's called sin. That is the one thing we all have in common. I don't even know everybody. But I know that. We all have a sin problem and we all have need of forgiveness. And this is where I'm going this morning. When we really start to have faith in God, We have to be humbled by the fact that he is the only person that has the answer to our sin problem. Because I'm going to fail me and you're going to fail you. And it doesn't matter how much faith you have in another human being. They're going to come up short. But then there's God. And God does not fail. And God is the Almighty. And because of his grace, 
we have opportunity to have hope in him. We have a good reason, not just because we're here at church, and not just because we're here at this church, to walk out of here this morning with something more like hope and assurance than condemnation. Because the bottom line is that, as Paul says in the book of Romans, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were enemies of God, God sent his son to die. And you get over here to Paul's writings in the book of Ephesians, and you're, there's obviously an underlying current of Jews and Gentiles, you know, kind of trying each other on. I mean, I, I can kind of picture this scenario like this. These Jews that were now in Christ, they were kind of a little bit smug. They were kind of like, you know, somebody like me that just grew up in church. And was thinking, you know, I've been with God all along. And he's been with me all along. And you Gentiles, you guys are kind of, well, you're kind of second class. We'll let you in because God decided to let you in. But really and truly, we're a lot better than you are. Now, I don't know if that's true, but knowing human nature, I'd say I'm not far off. I've seen a lot of church members today treat newcomers and new Christians in the same way. Why? Because we got this faith problem. We have faith in ourselves. We have faith in our own abilities. Uh, we have faith in what we believe. And I think those Gentiles in the early church, they were just blown away. There was no question in their minds they were totally lost. And when they heard about the sacrifice of Jesus and the opportunity for forgiveness of their sins and the hope of heaven, I think they latched on to it completely. And in a lot of ways, I believe those Gentiles really understood something more about faith than the people who had always been faithful. Because they, they scrapped their system. They threw it in the trash. No more pagan gods. No more immorality. No more of all of these other things. And I'm, I'm sure they looked at those Jews and thought sometimes, you know what? Those folks could use a little bit of a reality check. So when Paul writes this book of Ephesians, he's trying to get them to understand not about equality, but about unity about being different, coming from different backgrounds, having different needs, and somehow growing together in Christ. So let's get to the text. Uh, look at chapter 3 and verse 11. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose that he has carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have access to God in boldness and confidence through faith in him, I pray, therefore, that you may not lose heart over my sufferings for you. They are your glory. Now, notice what he said there about faith. And confidence through faith in him. Now, that's why we've got confidence, because of Jesus. It's not because of me. It's not because of you. It's not because of these Ephesian Gentiles or Jews. It's because of Jesus. 
And, and let me just break it down a little bit. God has offered this to everyone. Every person on earth is his creation. And I know a lot of people think I'm foolish when I say this, but that's okay. I truly believe that God created every single person. I do not believe that he just put a system in place and it just happened. I believe that if we are created in his image, as he described Adam and Eve, that somehow God knows me. And he knows how I'm wired up. He knows how you're wired up. He knows what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, what your needs are, uh, and all of those things. And I believe that because of that, we do have a personal relationship with God. He's not just this almighty power that doesn't know us, but he's someone that's very present. In fact, he's so present that he sent his son, I'm not going to say to die for us yet, but he sent his son to be one of us, the passage you read this morning, to help his brethren. Jesus got hungry, he got tired, he got angry, he was sad, he was us. And he's standing, sitting, however you want to picture it, whether you think God's on the throne or not, he's right there beside God. And you know what he's doing? Another Bible word, another church word. He's making intercession for us. Bottom line, he's there fighting for us. And when we come to God with our sin problems and our weaknesses and our struggles, I believe that Jesus kind of leans over and says, Dad, I know exactly what they are dealing with because I've been there. Now, that may be just too real for some of you. And that, may, that may kind of not fit with the normal way of talking about God and Jesus. But that's what keeps me going, is knowing that he knows me and that he's a part of me. And somehow my faith has to be in that and not in me. In fact, I think that's what it's all about. I mean, let's just be honest. If, if God said, here's your choices. You can be judged by your own merits or you can be judged by the blood of Christ. How, how many people are going to be foolish enough to say, just take me on my own merits? Anybody want to raise their hand and say, hey, I'm that guy? No. Because the bottom line, we look in the mirror and we know we've got weaknesses. We know we have faults. We know that we have disappointed God, and yet he loves us. And he knew from the beginning, he knew before the beginning, that his creation was going to fail. And because of that failure, we have success. Because of what God has done for us. So when he says we have confidence through faith in him, he's talking about something greater than ourselves. And then in verse 14, this is often called the that prayer, okay? Over in chapter 1 is the what prayer. You can look at it later, or if you get bored with what I'm saying, you can look at it now. But uh, in verse 14, he says this. 
For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth takes its name. I pray that, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through what? Faith. For you're being rooted and grounded in love. Now I want you to just hold on to this thought. But the way Paul describes faith, it seems that love is a big part of that. Okay, and I'll get to that later, but just kind of hold on to that. He says in verse 18, I pray that you have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Have you ever prayed that for somebody else? You know, I've prayed a lot, uh, that a lot for me. But it's occurred to me at times, I need to be like Paul. I need to be praying for other people that they might have that understanding of the depths of God's love that they might have faith in that. He says in verse 20, Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And this is where he's going with us. I'm going to skip down a little bit. Look at chapter 4. Verse 11, the gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith, right? And of the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ, we must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, and from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament, which as it is equipped, as each part is working properly, Provokes the body's growth and building itself up in love. I don't know if you're writing your Bibles, but I've often heard it said, if you don't mark your Bibles, it won't mark you. But if you, if you want a little exercise, just go through there. I don't, it doesn't matter what version you're reading from. Go through there and just circle the words faith. Just in chapter 3, in the first part of 4, and circle the words love. And then... Step back and look at it, and you're going to see how intertwined those two concepts are. You know, the thing about faith, we know that it has to be in God, and it has to be in His ability to cleanse us of our stains, of our sins. But we also are left with the question, well, what does faith do? You know, does faith get itself all shined up on Sunday morning? And 
does faith show other people that we have no faults or weaknesses? Or is faith the ability to not only see ourselves for what we are, but be willing to expose that to others? You know, I spend a lot of time around people that aren't Christians, or, uh, around people that are maybe believers, but they're not sure what they believe in. And you know what a lot of those conversations are about? Their explanation of why they don't attend church anywhere. And it usually goes something like this. Well, and they're usually trying not to be offensive to me. And they say, well, you know, most people are hypocrites. They got some of the same problems I do, but they act like they don't. I say, yeah, you're right. The place I go to church, we're all hypocrites. Yeah, we, we've got a whole load of baggage. We've got stuff that you wouldn't even imagine. And that's why we're there. Is because that's what brings us together. That's what unifies us. That's what allows us to be built up. It's not just a matter of strengths. It's also a matter of weaknesses sometimes. Uh, it ends up being humility. We don't like that word either. We don't like sin. Let's don't talk about that. Let's don't talk about humility. Uh, let's go back to mercy and grace, right? Well, they're all intertwined. The reason God offers His grace is because we have a sin problem. The reason we have faith in that is because we know we can't get ourselves out of that problem by ourselves. And we believe that the blood of Christ has wiped our slate clean. And that doesn't mean we're perfect people. That doesn't mean that even if we try and act right, that we don't have some hard feelings, that we don't get mad. That we don't think things we shouldn't think. You know, aren't you glad that everybody just doesn't say what's on their mind? I've had people tell me, said, I just speak my mind. I thought, you better not let me get started speaking my mind. Because you'll think I'm a horrible person. So here's the thing. What do we do with this faith? What do we do? Do we give up on it? You know, most of us are a lot better at believing than we are behaving, right? You know, we got this set of ideals. This is who a Christian is, and this is how a Christian should act, and so on and so forth. And, but then we keep adding to that list, and we keep thinking, I'm, I can't even get on the list. I haven't even got number one taken care of. I can't move on to two, three, four, and so on. So what do we do? Throw up our hands? Who is the most effective that we know about people in spreading the message of Jesus? Notice, we like Acts, right? There is another chapter besides chapter two, by the way. Um, what, who were the most effective people? Well, first part, I actually got Peter, right? 
Peter was nearly perfect, wasn't he? No. Peter had all kinds of problems. Peter's a knucklehead that God had to tell three times to talk to Cornelius because he was so racist. It was ingrained in him. He was a rough fisherman. He'd rather have punched Cornelius in the mouth than give him the gospel. And God had to just keep pecking on him. And yet he's the guy that was on the platform the day of Pentecost. He's the guy that was in prison and praying for boldness to keep on speaking about Jesus. And then you got this guy named Saul. Wasn't he the most horrible human being in the history of Christianity at that point? Have you ever thought about it that way? He's killing people. Yeah. He's dragging them off because he thinks he's doing the right thing. He's a gung-ho Jew. Yeah. I mean, Paul, <laughs> it's kind of a bad joke, but Paul even was making up those hats and passing them around that said, make Israel great again. I told you it was a bad joke. <laughs> but he was a nationalist. I mean, Israel was everything. Those Christians got to die. Boom. He literally sees the light. And guess who he's talking to? Jesus. Saul. Saul. Why are you persecuting me? The guy he had claimed to have died and been buried, and that was the end of the story, now talking to him from heaven. He saw the light. He quit being a Jew. In fact, he got into it with the Jews every place he went. He started being a follower of Christ. That's what faith is. Now, how we apply it in our day-to-day -day lives, I don't know. It's different for everyone. But faith does work. And I mean that in the sense that faith is not something we hold and that we just bring out on Sunday mornings. It's something we are. With all of our weaknesses and all of our struggles, it all comes back to the bottom line. Without God's mercy, without the blood of Christ, we stand condemned. And with that, we stand with a lot of other people that have hope. A lot of other people that may be growing in their faith. Sometimes faith comes about because God has thumped us in the head. Sometimes faith comes about because the devil has caused something in our lives to disrupt us, to shake us up, to scare us, to make us doubt each other and ourselves. And that's where we start to learn about faith. We don't learn faith when everything's going great. We don't learn faith when everything's wonderful. 
Think about your human relationships. Have any relationships ever been made stronger by struggle? Almost all of them. Our struggle with God, even though we're at different levels, is what faith is. Because we are reaching beyond ourselves. We've reached the point where we realize that we really are going to mess things up on our own. That we're incapable of doing everything right. And yet God still loves us. Still cares for us. He still wants us to tell others about the hope that we have. He still wants us to be compelled not to go out and try and straighten out the world. Because we can't do that. But to invite them into this marvelous light that has led us out of darkness. To invite them into a circle of people that are not perfect, not even close, but are struggling together to become more and more like the children of God. The people that are helping others grow up in Christ, as Paul says in the second part we looked at. To help each other person become mature and grow to a full stature in Christ. You know, in any congregation of people, there are no unequal parts. There may be different roles. There may be different capabilities. There may be different strengths. But we all need each other, don't we? We all need not only that for ourselves, but also so that we can help others. You know, one of the greatest ways, and I think was mentioned in announcements, one of the greatest ways of growing in Christ is to serve other people. The more we try and follow his example, the closer we become to him. I hope you'll think about that today. You know, the whole world's in need of forgiveness, even in this room. And we have that hope in Christ. I hope you'll wrestle with this. What is faith? What does it really mean? How does it affect me? I hope you won't just think about that for today. Thank you for your time.